founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. This is exciting. Yes, yes. Welcome to the show. Uh, so my first question for you is the same question we've asked every guest. You uh, run a, a, a company uh, that is helping podcasters grow and scale their podcast. And I would love uh, just to hear how, when, and why uh, you started this company. How'd you get into to doing what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Frequency Media is uh, a first-of-its-kind podcast production. At, we call it a podcast production and audio innovation company, which sounds very buzzy, but that's actually what we do is like we innovate with audio. Uh, we use it for different – we use it in different ways to tell uh, myriad stories, really. Mm. Um, and it started because I have a very long history with sound. So when I was uh, – little girl. I was a singer. I was a performer. I spent about 10 years of like those formative childhood years in acting conservatories um, and also getting vocal training. Wow. So I was always uh, really drawn to the power of sound through music at first, right? Because podcasts didn't exist when I was a child. Yep. And even if they did, I don't think I would have been listening to like this American life. Right, uh, right. Although I was reading Carl Jung in middle school. So I don't know. I was a weird kid. So, you know, I went into college thinking that the path I was going to take was more on the business side because I also had an affinity to entrepreneurship from a young age. So I wouldn't have called it that. But I started my own pet sitting business when I was 13 and got bored with it quickly, gave it to my mom. She continued it for like 10 years. And it was actually a really making money from the business as a 13 year old. So, you know, there was something about business and the business of music that I was very drawn to. Like, I don't want to be the performer because pretty early on. I started piecing together that when you are the artist or performer, you're very objectified Mm. by directors, by managers, by things like that. And so I figured, well, I'll be the one making deals happen and um, helping to cultivate talent. So I did a short stint at uh, Interscope Records as an intern in the artisan repertoire department in Santa Monica. And I thought that was my dream come true. It wasn't, it wasn't the industry for me. And so I took this long winding road through a career in marketing and I Mm. did all forms of marketing in internal communications, external PR agency, in-house, and that ended up taking a, a bit of a turn when I became a magazine editor. Okay. So I know this is like a very winding story, this but here's great. the thing. Yeah. As entrepreneurs, this is often what happens. Is yep. like we spend 12, 15 years on a seemingly random trajectory. And then all of a sudden there, bec- there comes that catalyst moment where you're like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I so random? Why can't I stay at a job for more than a year and a half? And then you decide to start a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) which is what I did. Yeah. So when I left the magazine, I started the cultured podcast, which is still my podcast to this day. It's three years old now. And that 
brought me back to my love of sound. And that when I started teaching myself how to edit audio and how to like produce my own show and how to be a host, I, I went bananas for not just the podcast and the act of podcasting, but the industry. Hmm. And, and by that point I had started a marketing agency of my own and I just started devouring newsletters and content about the podcast industry. And I found it so fascinating. And it was that moment of like clicking into your purpose that I now recognize. And so the deeper that I got into podcasting as a podcaster, an independent podcaster myself and a DIY podcaster myself and a marketing executive, I started realizing how many, um, and this was at a time y'all when you would ask someone, you would tell someone, Oh yeah, I have a podcast. And, and the response would be three years ago. The response would be, Oh yeah. I think my friend listens to podcasts. Right. Whereas now you say I have a podcast or a production company and people are like, Oh yeah, I have a podcast. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, that's a huge change in three years. That's right. Which is so exciting. Obviously it's exciting. I mean, so, um, so I started seeing all of these uh, audio companies start to pick up on there being a little bit of a rumble in the podcast industry and there being a way to make money off of it, which is very like much, in my opinion, old world capitalism, like, oh, there's a way to make money. Let's just like usurp it. Let's tap right. it until it's dry. And, um, and they just kept messing up. They just kept messing up. And um, they kept- How so? What, what was, you know, what they, was would, they would take small business owners or thought leaders, hard earned money. And we all know how hard earned money is um, yeah. when you have little of it. You know, there's a, that phenomenon that the more money you have, the easier it is to make money. So yeah. when you're at the beginning, it is blood, sweat and tears for every penny. That's right. And um, I'm also the child of immigrants. I'm a first generation American. So like I value a penny. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Um, and I would see them taking this hard earned money, but, and saying that they could make podcasts because they could make, you know, records or, uh, public radio or audio books or any other form of audio that's out there, but they wouldn't really learn the industry and they Mm. wouldn't really learn podcasting and honor that podcasting is its own thing with its own tone and its own methodologies and its own creativity. And they would either mess up launches or they would produce what's practically just a radio show. Like you are now listening to Michelle's radio hour. Pew, 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 pew. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, that, that is what I mean by that. So, you know, as many women tend to have, I had imposter syndrome, um, even with how like, big of a person I am in terms of personality. I mean, size, personality, mouth, opinion, ideas. I'm big. There we go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, that's not just so that's, I don't, my experience hasn't been, that's just a, a female issue. I think it's a human issue. Uh, the imposter syndrome runs rampant. rampant. It runs rampant, but you know, there's studies that show that it'll take um, for men, and this is a very binary, but that's what the studies are sure. for men. They'll look at like a job application. And if they have like 60% of the qualifications, they'll apply and feel like they could do the job 
for women, we have to have at least 100% of the qualifications. And for me, I feel like, y'all, no, men are doing it right. Because, you know, it's, it's that faith in yourself. It's that yeah. looking at something and being like, I may not be right there yet, but I have the capability to be yeah, there. That growth mindset, right? That growth mindset. So it took me a while to come around to, to that. Wow. So I'd love to actually talk about your, your podcast and what that was like for you. Yeah. Because you're getting to lead people now through having been a practitioner, which is always the best, right? Um, what was that like in the early stages? What were some of the biggest lessons you learned as you were diving into this whole new medium, this whole new now purpose even? Um, take me into that a little bit. Thank you for that. Literally, no one ever asked me about cultured. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I would love to know about it. frequency all the time, which yeah. I am frequency all the time. But um, oh my God, it was such a ride. I mean, look, I really honor that the beginning of that journey. So like those episodes are still on the feed and they will always be on the feed. And um, sure, I cringe and I laugh at them because, you know, the beginning part was really what ended up uh, pushing me to release the podcasting 101 course that we have because I ended up spending like dozens of hours researching how best to make my podcast. Mm. And I bought like a tiny little Samson Go mic that is just like this tiny little thing. It's so cute. I still have it and I will forever have it. Perfect. <laughs> I need to put it in a shadow <laughs> box because it's like, oh, yes. tiny little. <laughs> so um, I would record on that. I didn't care about audio environment whatsoever. I didn't know what room tone was. I mean, I didn't know anything. I just researched until my brain melted. And I used Audacity, which is still a fantastic free editing tool. And I would spend at least 10 hours. I would, you know, I, I started by reaching out to, I was deeply ingrained in the artist community and am okay. here in Atlanta. Yep. So arts have always been a huge part of my life and a huge passion for me. And when I was magazine editor, you know, I got to know all these artists and museum cur museum curators, gallerists, things like that. So I just started reaching out to my network and and getting people to come on the show. And because it we had a relationship, it was easy. They were like, yeah, sure. And they would come over to my apartment and we would just record like at my desk with my mm. little faux studio setup. And um and that was it. And I edited it myself and it would take like 10 plus hours for me to do it because uh, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I'm meticulous. And so I'd want it to be, feel really good. And, um, and then the big step for me was once I was making money, this was in tandem with starting my marketing agency. So once I was making just a, a little chunk of change um, with my marketing agency, I brought on an editor. And she had never edited a podcast before, but she had been in public radio and um, jump forward two and a half or so years. She's now the producer at Frequency and she's wow. a rock star. Wow. That's awesome. So what did you see looking back? What were some of the critical either lessons or changes, approaches that you made that you saw tangible benefits for your podcast and whatever the purpose was, whether it was the impact it was making or mm -hmm. the reach that it was getting, what were some of those tweaks that, that are maybe now bedrock and how you teach people and think about it. But what was that like for you at Cultured? 
it was all about me as a host. So I didn't, for the entirety of the time that I didn't have a budget to spend on somebody editing the show for me or, um, or having nicer equipment, I eventually upgraded to like a still cheap, but much better microphone, <laughs> you know, like I kept it right. real cheap. The tweaks that I was able to make was learning how to be a better interviewer, which meant I am a very enthusiastic person, if you can't tell. And I used to respond to things like, uh-huh, yeah, wow. Oh my God, that's amazing. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. And yeah, yeah. As you all just noticed when you're listening to a podcast, that's very obnoxious and it takes away from the key point. And so it was my job to allow the the guest to really shine and and to have faith in my listener to say to themselves, wow, that's amazing. Mm. And I could have, just like you had, genuine responses that really came from a place of like, wow, I love that. So that I'm injected every once in a while, but I'm a lot, I don't interrupt as much anymore. I mean, I'm now as an interviewer, like leaps and bounds, and now I'm an executive producer and everything. So I, it's my job to guide interviews. But that was some of the most noticeable and like totally free changes you can make to your podcast. Love that. Love that. Um, well, man, this is so in, uh, almost meta having a conversation <laughs> with you about podcasts on podcasts. Now we're talking about being an interview host and I am a host. Uh, I'm going, I, know. I'm going I know. <laughs> I am not going to make any sounds, which by the way, I've already been aware of uh, for me and, and, and the same right just listening to podcasts. But um, you know, what's interesting to me, and I could use your education on this, uh, the little bit it is my personality. And then some of it's just from lack of knowledge. I have two podcasts. So I have the personal one that I started about two, two and a half, three years ago. Um, and it's a mixture of format. So there'll be half or more of the episodes are just content from me. So it's a solo uh, conversation in a sense uh, on personal development, growth, that kind of thing. Cause that's what I do for as a career, as a coach uh, and for fast growing companies. And then the other ones were interviews, uh, you know, James clear or different people like that, that I'd bring on. And so it was a mixture of formats, right? Uh, and I literally have not edited a single thing other than throwing in an intro and an outro. And that took mm -hmm. me, that took me a bunch of episodes to even figure out one that I needed to do that and two <laughs> to do that. Right. Um, but when people talk about 10 hours editing, I'm like, edit what? Like I literally throw it into garage band and hit save import and throw it up there. And I'm sad to say, uh, we've done the same thing with zero to 5,000 for the most part. Um, and part of it I like in the sense that like, unless the guest asks for, uh, something to be taken out, which no one's done yet, but we always reserve the right, uh, for them to edit anything they want in that sense. Um, we literally just record it and, and add the intro and the outro. And that's really the editing it gets, but I'm sure that we're not, there's probably mixing that could be done in terms of the sound quality and things like that. But just right. would you educate me and our, and our guests on like what kinds of things could or should be thought about? that someone like me, who's just a brass tax approach is missing out on? Mm. Come Love on. this question. Bring it. Drew, gladly I will educate you. Bring it, <laughs> I am your pupil. Listen, I, um, I think it's great to do that when, when that's just what your resources 
allow for, right? And so um, no shade on that. I'm all about, if you are approaching your podcast with intention in terms of what is it about? Who do you have on there? Are you being representative? Are you being diverse with who the voices that you capture? Like, do you understand your listener? And are you speaking to their needs and what they want to be served with? Unless right. this is just for you to hear yourself talk, in which case, don't do it, whatever. Right. Those are the things I care about. Yep. So if you're ready to up level, if you're now, you've been doing that for a minute and you're like, wow, this is actually like sh showing me a return of whatever sort I needed. And I really want this to be next level and high quality. What makes a podcast like this high quality is editing for narrative. Hmm. So not just ums and ahs, although if you have a guest who says, uh, there's, a few, there's a few things we've noticed can be really distracting. Ums and ahs, of course. Um, yeah, um, uh, that right. kind of thing, right. cut it. Okay. Uh, every once in a while having an um in there isn't a big deal. If it's distracting from, from what the person is saying, cut it. But then there's other things like, um, you know, right? So you have this, you have this strategy, right? And you write and write, right? That's yes. distracting. Yes. But then also, what is the key point? And if you're looking at your analytics, which you should be doing, if you have some kind of like ROI in mind or goal in mind for your podcast or would like to monetize it, you're looking at your analytics and people are dropping off around 50% of the way through your hour long podcast. Your podcast should be 30 minutes. I didn't even know you could check that statistic. <laughs> I basically can just see how many people have downloaded the podcast and that's about it. Yeah, you can check that statistic huh. and you can check it mainly right now, depending on the platform you have, the, the in other words, the podcast host. And when I yeah. say podcast host, it's confusing because they're both, you know, I'm a host, you're a host, we have a podcast host. Um, and so the podcast host is like Megaphone, Art19, Libsyn, Blueberry, all those. Yeah. Um, some of them, including iTunes Connect, Podcast Connect, show you consumption rate. And so if you have a 60 minute show and people are dropping off around 50 to 60% of the way through, you should be editing your show down to 30 to 40 minutes. Got it. And so how do you make calls on those cuts? Well, you should be editing for narrative. So we mm. go into every single episode of all of our clients, my own production, asking what's the key takeaway. If the listener has to come away from this episode thinking, feeling, or doing one thing, are they going to come away thinking, feeling, or doing that one thing from the way this is edited? Wow. I, yeah. You got me. I'm in. That <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, obviously from a technical perspective, and we're talking about editing for narrative. So telling a true cohesive story. And a lot of us can, I am very tangential. Like I go on winding journeys in when I'm talking. So sometimes we do need to edit down what I'm saying. And I'm practicing doing that, being better at that in real time. That's part of my own host journey and personal journey. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, there are those tangents can be fun and raw and authentic and distracting. Right. Right. That's a hundred percent true. Now, does that, does the narrative editing change on the, um, 
almost the the kind of show it is you know because you have more story driven shows that might uh make in my mind total sense of narrative driven and then you have more maybe content or uh niche uh thought leadership kind of thing like does that does that change you know, how you, you know the the format changes but the idea of telling a story doesn't okay so no matter what every single time we speak we're telling a story and so even if it's an interview format podcast especially frankly if it's an interview format podcast we're looking at what's the story being told and it's not about shaping the story falsely it's about distilling the story do you see what i mean yes so you're distilling the essence of the conversation what we prefer to do is cap so that it's as um, natural as possible. Because what you don't want to have is like harsh, harsh cuts everywhere. You really want to be moving if you have to full sections around or yeah. cutting out whole sections because we do want to keep it as real and authentic as possible. But what you want to be looking for is what is the thread? And at any given point, you might lose the thread for like a solid four minutes, you know? And so you snip that chunk out because yes is ice cream awesome yes absolutely but we're talking about scalability <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> yes yes i love that um what advice what advice do you guys uh leverage or how do you think about maybe it's a better term than just what advice but how do you think about uh if a podcast grows and then it hits a plateau of uh listenership like maybe it's keeping the numbers, but for whatever reason, is, isn't continuing to uh, mm -hmm. grow new audiences. How do you guys like to think about that? Well, I think if it was growing uh, to that point and it's, it's hitting a cap, there's got to be some factor. So what that's telling me is that the content was likely good, um, but either the content has gotten, gotten stale or it actually has nothing to do with content and the promotion of each episode has become inconsistent. Yeah. So typically we'll look at it from two perspectives, which is, and, and what I love about our job is that we're here to counsel, but we're not, we're, we're really never in charge of audience growth. We okay. do marketing and audience growth, but typically, especially when we're working with big brands, they'll hire us for strategy and consulting, but then their in-house teams will manage Got um, audience growth strategies like promotion and marketing and paid media. But Typically what we're seeing if, if, if it's plateaued uh, and we actually just consulted with someone on this the other day is that actually there's two things and okay. there it's a juxtaposition. Number one, you're not doing enough or you're inconsistent with your promotions or number two, you're doing too much and it's too all over the place. Mm. And so who we were recently talking to, what we realized was, He's like one of the hardest workers I know, and he's so self-driven and his podcast is amazing. And I won't name it just because we're talking about yeah. the consulting side, but he was, he was pouring his attention into all these different groups, platforms, and mediums, which meant that none of them was getting the full tailoring to that audience, except for like maybe one or two. And so he was like, I don't understand. I'm doing so much. I'm out there. I'm out there. I'm out there. And I'm like, yeah, but where is your predominant listener? Like, where is your listener already hanging out predominantly? Mm. And he was like, mm, I don't know. And I was like, okay, well then 
all you're doing is super impressive and super cool, but it may be a waste of your time if you don't know where your listener already is. And when I say your listener, I'm talking about the persona that is your listener, not just your current listeners, but those future listeners that are just waiting to discover your show. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that was huge for me early on. I was even having a, having a conversation, I guess, around the avatar, like who is the desired Mm -hmm. listener? What's, what are their struggles? What are their passions? You know, what's the demographic maybe even psycho demographic uh, and other kind of demographics. And that was, I was actually challenging for me because I I tend to be a person that wants to talk to everybody, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so challenging. And you know, it's, it's especially challenging when we're talking to clients that are like, the whole point of what we're making, because our mission at Frequency, we're a mission-driven company, and our mission is to heal, enlighten, or uplift through the power of sound, mm. which sounds very lofty, but actually sound has incredible healing properties and has been used for very bad things in the past. Some of like the world's worst people have been incredible orators. Yes. And that tells you what yes. sound can do. Oh, yeah. And so we truly are here to heal, enlighten, or uplift through the power of sound. So we have these incredible clients who are like either advocacy groups, nonprofits, uh, world changers. And we have to sit there and be like, okay, but if we're only talking to one kind of person, who is that person? And they're like, hell no. Yeah. All people. And I'm like, no, yes. but if, nope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta be one. Only because it doesn't mean you're excluding other listeners. It means that the people who are going to be the most impacted, the most reached by this content, who are going to then spread that gospel, if you will, to all of their friends, you need to make sure they're the ones first and foremost who are reached and who are spoken to in the way that they need to be spoken to. That's why there's one target audience persona. But then of course there's a halo effect. So obviously it doesn't mean that if you don't fit the audience persona, I'm not going to start my podcast and be like, hi, this is the cultured podcast. If you are not my audience persona, go F yourself. Thank you. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yes. But yeah, it's anxiety driven. Like, or or it, it, for me, it it was in moments of Mm. like, why why do I feel so anxious about this? Um, yeah, I think it's part of my personality. Like it's eliminating mm-hmm. options. And I'm like, I'm, I have a hard time making decisions sometimes for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this would be deciding on this, but what if I really wanted to be talking to them and about this totally. instead of that? And so it brings up some of that, like just some anxiety where in your head, you're like, well, I'll just keep it. I'll just keep it broad, you know, or yes. I'll just chase the flavor of that week in whatever I was thinking about or whatever. Um, and that's where I realized like, man, I have to do this. Cause it was the same thing in business for my business. Exactly. I have to get, I have to get real niche on who is my customer. What is their problem? What specifically we're solving? It's like all that clarity just generates greater and greater results in a quicker, in a quicker timeline. Um, that's such a great point, Drew, because also you got to be honest with yourself. Like, you know, that, that reminds me of my journey with frequency is my whole thing 
is this business model is the first of its kind because it's meant to provide accessibility to high quality podcast production. So mm. we're on the same playing field as Pineapple Street Medias of the world, as the Gimlets of the world, as like these big heavy hitters in the industry. And yet we also work with full-time moms at, that who's actually one of our clients. So full-time parents, but we actually have a full-time mom on the team, local family law firms, Diane von Furstenberg, the fashion designer, Apple, Spotify, Coca-Cola, and everyone in between. Yeah. And so it's easy to be like, everyone's in our target. Right. But the, the more you go along that journey as a podcaster or as a startup, the more you realize you're actually part of your plateau is also going to come when you don't know who exactly you're trying to serve, so you can't speak directly to them. That's right. Yep. So talking about splitting your attention, I mean, that plateau really comes also when you're inconsistent with your content because you're like, well, I guess we'll do this and we'll try this and we'll do that and we'll do that. And so all of a sudden you're getting listeners who drop because they're no longer interested in the new vibe right? Who join because they're interested in the new vibe. And then there's just that constant. Yeah. You know, he or she's talking to me. Now they're not right. This resonates. Now it doesn't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And in business, it's, it's, it's a, a lack of clarity on the product. It's a lack of clarity of, um, are you built for me or not? You right. know, that's what people more right. and more now the options have, have dramatically increased. Whereas before there was three news stations and there was only a handful of people in the industry you're, you're interviewing, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many options that people want to know, are you built for me? Exactly. Like you work exclusively with companies like me or with problems like this. And then you have a solution I can count on. And so the pandemic was actually great for my, so our company, uh, Mitchell McClure is a coaching company for fast growing companies mm -hmm. and we work on talent optimization. Right. And so that actually, I couldn't have said the talent optimization part and some of the other stuff I could tell you pre pandemic, because we were getting enough organic growth and business that still used all the same skills in different size companies with different focuses, with different problems um, and it was actually in the pandemic that we said, Hey, our instincts are going to go be to go broad right now, mm -hmm. but that could be the death of us because resources are about to get tight. And so how you spend them really matter. And so we said, we need to yes. go even deeper into what's one target market. What is the problem we're solving? What is our identity around that? And it, I think it's the same. It is the thing that saved our company. Um, in the midst of that was actually going niche, but it felt terrifying. Again, it was like, yes. I feel like you're removing options. You're removing like possible options. Instead, you're like, no, no, I'm, I'm making the options I do have more likely to actually be uh, a success because mm -hmm. I'm talking straight to them and I know how they think and I know what, you know, we've designed this for you. Um, so I'm having a light bulb moment right now that that's the same thing for podcasts. I hadn't thought about it that way as well. 100%. And I'm so glad you did that because it really can feel so risky because it feels like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. That's it. Um, but you know, it's like the stock market where you can bet really big on one thing and the, the reward can be equally as great as the risk. It's not like the stock market in that you can do a bunch of research to take a very educated get. I mean, you can do it in the stock right. market too, but it's far less risky because you're like, okay, no, I know that this is what the needs are. And, you know, I'm sure that you were also looking at what the COVID economy looks like and exactly. what are the industries that are surging right now that clearly need this kind of service. And, yep. you know, we're doing the same thing. And so it is parallel. And, and I preach 
from the mountains on high about how a podcast isn't a product. It is a platform. It is a message, but it also should be treated like a business or a marketing strategy. Right. And so, you know, with those kinds of, um, with that approach, when you're looking at it like a, a, maybe not a business, but a core part of your business and a core part of your marketing ecosystem and maybe even funnel, that's all of a sudden like, oh, that's why I need to narrow in. And also remember, these are definitions for you and you alone. You're not shouting, exactly. you know, it, it helps to shape your content. It helps to shape your, your show description. Mm -hmm. It helps to shape how you build an ecosystem around the podcast, whether it's show notes and uh, maybe transcripts or the kinds of marketing materials you have, like promotional graphics. But you're not shouting to the world, this is my target audience. Right, right. Unless you are, in which case. No. Great. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, look, I mean, there's some shows that are like a show for women entrepreneurs with startups under $200 million. Sometimes it gets that niche. Right. So they're, their, they're, they're, <laughs> they're shouting their target audience from the rooftops in that case. And that works for them. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, well, my personal podcast, no. Right. Meaning like it's going to be more in my mind, how I'm crafting my language, what the content's about. Actually, on, on, on my business podcast, the Zero to 5,000, we are more targeted, that we are interviewing founders of Inc. 5,000 companies, and Perfect we are talking example. to business builders, mm -hmm. right? So every time it's like, welcome business builders and founders, right? We're, we're talking to people that would like to have made that level of, you know, of success going from nothing to something like that. Um, but it made it more sense in our context. Like it, it's like, that's a very specific audience, and this conversation is very tailored to that. We're just going to go ahead and call it out, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Man, that is so fascinating. So I, I would love to hear, uh, I would love to hear about the company and what that was like going from being a personal podcaster and now and breaking into that, right? So you kind of break into a space with your own as a creator, as a podcaster, and now you've got to create a company in that same space and also break in and mm -hmm. get your first clients and distinguish yourself and that kind of thing. So take me back to that. What was that like breaking in and getting your first clients and and what did you learn? Hmm. Well, it was um, thrilling. It was terrifying in the best way. So it, it was, it came together. I, I know frequency is meant to exist. So even in the scariest times of, of like uns the uncertainty of, of COVID times and this economic crisis, health crisis, social uprising that we find ourselves in, the thing I know is that frequency is meant to exist. And I know that because from the very beginning, it's been almost like unbelievable, the magnetism of this mm. company. And that's because I started it with a very clear vision and mission in mind and purpose. And so I did at the beginning, I did my due diligence. I had a focus group. I talked to different podcasters and producers about what their needs are, what they would want, how much they would pay. Um, we will eventually have memberships. So part of that conversation was about memberships. Um, I hired a business consultant. I had an advisor and we built out the pro forma for the business. So it was a pretty meticulous process of like putting, setting the foundation from a business operations and fiscal perspective. But then it was about just trying to get the work done. So I had my right. marketing agency. And so, you know, I just started 
telling people about this idea after a certain point, I was really, really paranoid somebody would steal the idea. <laughs> so I was like, kept it really tight lipped for a while. Um, I'm Colombian. So the paranoia thing is a theme. <laughs> it's just like, you know, so, um, the more people I told about it, the more people told other people about it and uh, word of mouth became unbelievable. And so I got one of my marketing agency clients started working with me as like a tiny first client and they're still working with us to this day. And he's still wow. a close friend and advisor, Bill Nussie. They have the Freeing Energy podcast. He's phenomenal. And um, then right after that, I got accepted into a CEO bootcamp program from Launchpad 2X and they then became a client. And right after that, uh, Coca-Cola was referred to us. Wow. And so one of our first clients was Coca-Cola. They have their they own podcast? Client. Yeah. <laughs> We make total refresh for them, which is an internal, it's actually, we won best podcast from Reagan communications for that podcast this year, because it's an internal podcast that's available externally, which is huh. the, the second podcast ever to do that. And it was astounding for a company like Coca-Cola that is literally has a recipe in a vault to have internal conversations with leaders made available externally. Wow. And so, um, we're still working with them to this day. We're working on season two of Total Refresh right now. And then it snowballed. And then all of a sudden, you know, there were announcements and articles coming out about frequency. And then we, Apple approached us to work on a podcast with them for the Statue of Liberty Museum. And that we did that. It was a limited, limited series podcast called Raising the Torch that I'm really, really proud of because we did it in very, very little time. Wow. <laughs> and that's where I met DVF. And so DVF, the fashion designer who is responsible for like the world famous wrap dress. And she was our narrator on that podcast. And sitting across from her, I coached her through her narration. And that's when she was like, I want to work with you. That's how we started working with Spotify and DVF on In Charge with DVF. And this was all within six months of, of coming out and announcing that frequency was a thing. So that is nuts. It was nuts. It was nuts. Wow. And I'm really proud to say we've been profitable from day one. And for a service-based business, we've been pretty high growth. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Thank you. Seriously, I, I'm, I'm so impressed by the due diligence you did ahead of time. You kept your powder dry and you made your, you made your shot count. Um, and so it's no surprise to me why it took off so fast. The, the amount of clarity you had, the, the thought and the preparation for who you were going to serve and how um, yeah. is really clear. And man, I'm just uh, inspired super inspired by what you guys are doing Thank you. and uh man so let me let's, let me ask one more question and then we'll dive into kind of the lightning round questions to wrap this up but after the growth what's been the biggest challenge after the growth well you know the biggest challenge is that we're not supposed to be after growth right now um we went into 2020 with uh, and part of the lightning round is going to address this but with I mean, I, I met it, I was meditating in January and I 
had this enormous idea uh, come through my meditation. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This mm. is the thing. Um, this, is, this is what frequency was made for. And I started on that path. Everything was clicking into place in, the, in that magnetic way things do with frequency. And then COVID hit. And it's a concept that is that was significantly hindered by COVID, mm. which you got to flow. So I think the hardest part of where we are now, because we just celebrated two years, we just celebrated two years. Wow. And the hardest part about it is that we were meant for a meant is a weird word, right? Because we're meant for whatever happens. Yeah, but I get you. we were expecting a super high growth, like like probably double what we were what we achieved last year and that obviously didn't happen and i'm still like super ambitious so i'd like to definitely surpass what we did last year and last year we closed on um 525,000 in gross sales and that was wow. our first full calendar year in business and so you know uh that's like a big target to hit this yeah. year but yeah i'm still ambitious toward it so the the challenge has been to subdue that, that vicious little ego we all have and to flow with whatever, you know, to shift my mindset from uh, breaking norms, uh, changing the industry in like ways to what somebody recently said to me the other day, sir thriving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, survive and thrive, sir thriving. <laughs> yes. That's about the only option on the table right now, isn't it? <laughs> right. So I do feel like we're doing a great job. And, you know, I would say also just to piggyback on that, one of the biggest challenges this year was, was the human relationship. So we're a human first company, which means that literally everything I do starts with the question, like, does this serve my team? And does this align with all of our shared purpose? And that's hard and I understand why old capitalism doesn't do it, but it's also the most rewarding. And I attribute our enormous success to that. I wow. really 100% attribute our enormous success to the fact that we are a new world, uh, anti-capitalist enterprise that focuses on human beings. But this has been one of the hardest years to be human. And I experienced one of my deepest betrayals by a team member uh, this year, it impacted our whole team. People went through depressions, people went through spiraling out of control, mental health issues. And I was so scared. I mean, I myself was depressed over the summer, you know, sure. especially after the betrayal. So navigating that and being where we are today, which is like, I mean, I, I just like, can't believe how strong we are and how resilient we've been as a team that we've gotten even closer uh, through this experience. And I, I'm not just like, you know, we really have gotten closer through this experience. And sure, that was one of the most challenging things I could have faced in year two of being a business owner and a leader. And, and, and we're still thriving. <laughs> Come on. Cheers to that. I know what that takes, man. Lead yeah. my own business through this. Um, it's just going to be something we look back on and many, unfortunately, it'll be a, a, a grief reminder. And I think we all have grief. And yeah. then for some, it might be our proudest moment in business, especially if you can find yes. a way to sort of thrive. 
Yes. You know? <laughs> Isn't it good? Like, holy crap, I did it. Andrew Baskin from The Lift Economy. He has a podcast also. He's the one who emailed me that. And I'm like, Andrew. <laughs> yes. Come on. Come on. I'm sort of thriving over here. Uh, wow. So, all right, let's dive into the lightning round. Uh, uh, this let's has been it. so fun. And so I'm going to tailor Thank the you. first question uh, a little bit for your context. So typically we would ask, what's the one message uh, if you could ingrain into the company? And actually, no, I want to do, I want to do that plus one. So I would love to know what's the one message you'd love to ingrain into your company. Mm -hmm. And then I'd love to know what's the one message you wish was ingrained in every podcaster, you know, someone that's, that's looking to do podcasts. What's that message for that person? You know what? It actually is a message I, I have for myself, my team, podcasters, and all human beings. Great. And that's why we, it came to me during a meditation as well. It was a really big epiphany for me. And we've actually recently turned it into the slogan of the company, which is be as big as you are. Mm. I think that we would have a, a completely harmonious planet if we all allowed ourselves to be as big as we are. And to not be afraid of our bigness and our power, our full whole expression of ourselves. Mm. That's what makes an incredible podcast host. It's what makes an incredible human being. Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, I can't remember the exact language now I'm bummed, but some of Brene Brown's work when mm -hmm. she, she talked about full hearted expression. I can't, it's something around that, that yes. language. It's really, really beautiful. And I, I, I agree. Um, okay. Love that. Number two, what is the single best advice and maybe the single worst advice that you've got around growing your business? You don't have to name any names, especially on the worst advice, but just no. what's some of the best and worst advice you've gotten? I think the, some of the best advice I've gotten is uh, don't be penny wise and a pound foolish. Um, so that allowed me to hoard a lot of cash early on, which is actually what's helping us thrive <laughs> this wow. year. Yeah. Um, so, and it's also taught me that there are some strategies that may cost something upfront, um, but are better for the longevity of the business. So that that's especially important for my immigrant mentality mm. that I had to really break out of, which was like, you know, be thankful for every penny you get, which is not the kind of mentality that a high growth CEO on track to building a multi-million dollar company should right. have. So that is some of the best advice I've gotten. Some of the worst adv advice I've gotten, there's plenty of it, especially surrounding how I approach leadership and hold a human first company. <clears throat> so for instance, after this awful situation and betrayal. Uh, I got a lot of people uh, in my circle of advisors be like, see, that's why you shouldn't care so much. See, that's why you shouldn't form such personal relationships with your people. Mm. And I was like, nah, it's not my fault. It's not my humanity. It's not right. my heart. It's that person's journey. Yep. That person has a lot of healing to do. That person has a lot of wounds. I should not absorb their wounds and then pass those on to my team, which is right. what shutting my heart down would be. That's exactly right. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's the, everything, everything that is valuable comes at a cost. Absolutely. And you know what? Right. When you, so it's like, that's when you the cost. open your heart, 
there are going to be people who, who are, don't know how to handle that. Exactly. And they are going to, you know, for whatever reason, whatever pain they have inside, That's they're right. going to lash out. Yep. But the worst tragedy, like you said, would be now shutting that down mm-hmm. because that is the gift for you. That's like a gift for you to live open hearted, but it's also the gift that you give to the world yes. is being able to actually be loving, caring, connected, that kind of thing. So proud of you for that. That is so, such good advice or I'm glad that you rejected that advice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Boundaries are awesome. You know, like boundaries yes. are part of healthy relationships and boundaries are critical for respecting yourself. Yet we can easily let them slip into hard hearts and soft spines instead of soft hearts and hard spines. Mm, mm, right. Mm, mm, and mm. so that's what absolutely. We want. And listen, when I say I have personal relationships with my team, it doesn't mean we don't have boundaries. It doesn't mean we don't have to compartmentalize. Exactly. You know, I don't have personal friendships with everyone on my team, but we are like family and yes. we are super devoted and dedicated, not only to a shared mission, but to each other. And that is a personal relationship. I mean, any person you have in your life, you should, that's a personal relationship. Exactly. So yeah, like you said, I mean, you can't be as big as you are if you're shutting down Yeah. and if you're making yourself smaller for the sake of avoiding pain. Yeah. Oh, come on. That could be the whole podcast right there. <laughs> it's so challenging. I mean, it's so challenging It is it, because, so one of my, one of my mentors once told me, uh, that intimacy requires vulnerability and vulnerability is giving someone the, the ability to hurt you. Yes. Wow. Yes. And this guy's 60 married, yes. been through it all. And he was like, choose vulnerability, choose intimacy. I'll take yes. it all day long, but you have to know, like you are giving not just a person, but like when you live that way, you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable to pain, but yes. you're also allowing yourself to be vulnerable to pleasure, to, to joy, to happiness. Right. Um, and I learned yes. that even like in, in counseling and coaching and all that kind of stuff that when you shut down one emotion, you shut down, it's correlated. So when you shut down anger, you shut down passion, right? Mm, when mm. you shut down sadness, you shut down joy. Like they, yes. you can't just shut down one. You can't just say no, no negative emotions or no negative experiences because they have a correlated positive experience that also goes dark. Right. Mm, I could talk to you about this all day, Drew, because also when you're shutting something down, you're not actually shutting it down. You're just putting it in a little drawer inside you and letting it amplify and control you. Yes. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Oh man. I love it. Same page, same page. Okay. Uh, if you could, this is just a fun one. Uh, and don't give me the BS answer that we all love. Like I wouldn't regret a thing. And this isn't about regret. This is, this is about, uh, uh, just a fun question. If you could hop into DeLorean, and go back in time for five seconds. It's just you get to roll the window down and shout something out to your younger self. What would you shout out? When would you go back and what would you shout out that window to your younger self? Um, I would say, can I curse? Sure. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, I would say you're a fucking badass and you're going to fucking do it. Stop doubting yourself. And like your bigness is going to be what helps you survive. And make yes. it. Come on. When would you have needed to hear that the most? Like what moment maybe were you most doubting that you might need to hear that? Uh, <laughs> I think all through from the beginning all the way through probably January. So for the first year and change. Yeah. The yep. whole thing. Yep. The whole thing. And now <laughs> I have like enough, uh, humble confidence to to know that i can do it and not only i can do it 
my team and yeah. I can do it. So I need to hear that less now. Mm. Okay. I, maybe that's because I tell myself that every day, actually. <laughs> Good. You know? Good. Yeah. I mean, I, I just had a client I was talking to today where I was talking about protecting your, uh, your, your mind and how it's such a, an opportunity, much like your backyard. Your, your backyard is an opportunity. It's land you own, and mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to create a space that you love to live in. Yes. Right? One oh, where yes. Creativity can happen. Relaxation can happen. Fun time with family, friends, kids, whatever, right? Yeah. But if you leave it to its own devices, it becomes a space that is either good for nothing or uh, so, uh, something you don't enjoy living in, right? And so we were talking about like how weird it feels. And I don't know why, but it feels uncomfortable to partner with ourselves in being very intentional in what we say to ourselves yes. and how we think about ourselves, our team, our people around us. And going, I want to create the mental landscape that I want to live in that's going to propagate mm. the behaviors, the results, the activities, even the emotional state I want to live in. I love Tony Robbins says, uh, pain is unavoidable, but suffering is a choice. Mm, wow. Which is really wow, cool. Wow, wow. Yeah. He, said pain, he said pain is unavoidable. Like you can't mm -hmm. get around it. But suffering, and he said suffering is a preoccupation with self. Yes. It's, it's Oof, just, yes. Right? That really so, hard. Uh, I was talking with him about this and I said, what if we did one rule, buddy? I said, what if we had one rule? And this is a prominent business leader. So it's not just like some random life coaching. It's like, we all need this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I said, what if you had one rule that you weren't allowed to talk to yourself in a way that you wouldn't talk to somebody you loved and believed in? Mm. One rule. That's just it. Like, you that's can't it. Talk. But that's, that's how simple it is. But that's how hard it is. Hard it is. Because the so conditioning hard. for all of us, listen, this is why I say the patriarchy is not good for anybody, any kind of supremacy of any kind where there is a dominant anything over anything, not good for anybody, right. because that is making us all small. And you know what, when we are our biggest version of ourselves, I mean, that's when you look in the mirror and you're like, like I, I was looking in the mirror earlier today and I have suffered, suffered truly like in the context of what you just said. Yeah. With body image issues, being sure. told I was too big, being told I was too loud, being told I was blah, blah, blah. So it is a very powerful thing that I get to look in the mirror now and be like, oh, you cute, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. do that. And I'm like, oh, you cute. And um, and it's not from a place of ego, it's from a place of like seeing that friend and being like, how beautiful and exactly. wonderful and powerful are you? Yes, exactly. And, and, and you know what that allows me to do? Exactly what I just said. When I see my friends, even when I see people on the street, I'm like, oh, you cute. You know? <laughs> yeah. My joy with self mirrors. That's it projects right. onto those around me and I get to really appreciate people more. That's right. Yep. Yeah. When you apply that to yourself, it's so, so much even easier and more authentic to apply it to others. God, I love that. You're so great. You, you, yeah, for real. This is awesome. Um, okay. So let's go to two, two final questions. One, what's the dream result that you are driving towards every day? I know you spoke to it some, but I actually like to hear a little more elaboration on that, but maybe it's the mission behind frequency media, but what's that dream result that you feel almost missional about? Well, you know, that big idea that I mentioned that I had earlier um, aligns very, very powerfully with this intention of accessibility, of providing access to people in a whole new way uh, to high quality podcast production. So 
before that can happen, or in the meantime, while that becomes possible, whenever it's meant to happen, it will. The way that we're doing that is by preaching intentionality. Put intention behind, you know, in the way, in the same way we should all have intention behind our thoughts, actions, we yeah. need to have intention behind our words. Mm. And words being such a powerful medicine, you know, spelling has spell in it because our words can be spells. And so it, let's, let's pretend that everything you say and think is a spell you're casting upon the world. Mm. Don't you want to have intention? Don't you yeah. want to make sure that those spells you're casting upon the world are joyful? They bring joy or they bring factual information and they bring yeah. upliftment. They yeah. bring enlightenment. So what we're trying to really preach, and this is actually why our fastest growing side of the business right now, we're in our, our next high growth phase right now. And that is our content strategy side. And I'm so excited because that wow. means that people are looking to us to bring that intentionality, that research, those analytics, into their shows to make sure that they have the best, most impactful possible show. Awesome, man. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, to end with, I shouldn't have done this to end with because I don't want to end on, on, uh, it's not a bummer, but, uh, my, my question uh, is if you were to be stressed about something that would keep you up at night, whether it keeps mm. you up at night or not, it's just that idea of like, what's the kind of thing in the business that would keep you up tonight, up yeah. at night, what would that be? You know, it's good to end with something real, real, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously finances, always. Sure. I bootstrapped this company from day one by myself with zero safety net, zero savings, zero anything. So I continue to be kept up at night by, especially now that I've had clients who haven't paid big invoices. Sure. And so that keeps me up. But, but in addition to the obvi, <laughs> which is like finances. Right. Um, making decisions that serve my team. And I have a great example of this. Like I feel so every single thing I do is to try to bring as much joy into their lives because they are dedicating their hearts and souls to this vision that I created, but that only exists because it is the shared collective energy of this group of people making the work. Mm. And so every single thing I do, the first question is, how is this serving my team? And literally last week, <laughs> we had this like dream client knock on the door, just like Google us, find us, knock on the door. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God. Like, like dream, can't wait to tell you guys about it. And I had all these amazing conversations with them. It all rests on my shoulder to bring in the business. Of course, I love that. Love the hunt of the, the, the chase, the, yeah. the courting. I love it. And we get to the point where we've decided on the scope of work and I, and the next step is for me to put together the budget, which I do with a spreadsheet and I'm very meticulous about it. And I do fair margins. In fact, I drop our margins for this client because it's a nonprofit. They're going to save the planet, et cetera. I send them the budget and crickets. And I had just told my team, like, prepare, this is coming. Anything can happen. The scope of work isn't signed yet. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Crickets. And day two, crickets. And day three, crickets. And I start panicking sure. that I have messed this up for my team, that I have ruined the dream client, the client that my whole team was like stunned at. And I was like, I'm going to let them down. 
That keeps me up at night. I did it. They got back to me. They were like, we've been pushing the scope of work through. We love you guys. We can't wait. I feel better now. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. But that kind of thing. That's why when there was like that betrayer, betrayal earlier this year, it was a huge test of my heart and character because I care so, I put so much into them, so much into them. And that's okay. It's, it's bound to happen. Not everyone is, is ready for this kind yes. of environment, but that's, anything can happen externally when something happens within my team that that's my Achilles heel. I love it. I love it, man. Love your heart. Love your leadership. This business is exciting. Um, it's obviously resonating deeply with companies, brands, podcasters. Uh, so you're on to something. You are on to something and it's exciting <laughs> to see where this is going. So thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing your wisdom and sharing your heart. Drew, I appreciate you. I appreciate your platform, your heart. You clearly have a very big heart. And also, like, you're a great host. So <laughs> for what it's worth, thumbs up for me. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was nervous about that. It's like, <laughs> this is a very meta conversation, right? I know. I know. I could feel that. And I was like, you know, I, I wanted to say earlier, it was going to come off disingenuous as part of that back and right. forth. I really do. Like, I love your hosting style and your voice. The quality of your voice is so rich. It's great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on here. We're going to have to have you again. And I uh, can't wait to watch and see what your, your company does in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.